0: Chapter of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. It started off being called Decoration Day. A day when you would go to grave sites and decorate the ones who had passed on before. It wasn't until 1971 that we came to know it for what it is today—Memorial Day. It will be celebrated tomorrow. Memorial Day became a national holiday passed by Congress in the year 1971, and it is a day set aside to remember those who have fallen, those who had military service have paid what we call the ultimate price. And we set aside a day to remember the fallen, remember those who have gone on before us. And it has taken on not only a meaning of remembering those in military service, that is its primary function, and we need to remember that, but it also is a day to remember loved ones who have gone on before us. Death, they say, is a part of life. Death is a part of life. It is something that has touched us all. It is something that will, in the end, touch us all. Our day is coming, and the Bible tells us this, and we need to be reminded this morning, I just want to look at death. And I want to encourage us, actually, by looking at the subject of death. It is encouraging when we look at the the Word of God and we see the pictures that God gives us that we can begin to grasp an understanding and a longing for actually that day. That day when we do pass from this life and the encouragement that comes from being right with God and the fact that Jesus came to destroy the one who had the power over death so that we do not need to live in fear of that day. I've come to encourage us this morning through study of the Bible, looking at death. I want us to think about this, and this morning I want to do something very simple. I want to look at six pictures the Bible gives us of death. Six pictures that we find in God's Word. These are not the only six pictures that we find, but I hope that this will be encouraging and uplifting, and maybe this morning we can help each other as we think about this topic that the Bible gives so much information on. The first picture I want you to consider with me is death is a separation. That is a simple picture that the Bible gives. A moment ago we had read for us Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verses 6 and 7. The Bible says in verse number 7 that the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. It is a separation between the Spirit, the soul that is within us, and our flesh, made of dust. And the dust, the Bible says, is going to return to the earth where it came from, and the Spirit is going to go on to be with God who gave it. Death is a separation. I know that you know this, I know that I know this, but it is it's fascinating to me to see the number of times that the Bible uses this expression, this description of death. You go to the New Testament, for example, in James chapter 2 and verse number 26. In that context, James is talking about faith and works. And he says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so also is faith without works. It is a separation of the body and the spirit. Paul uses it, James uses it rather, as an illustration. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. A couple of verses here I just want you to consider with me in this first picture of the fact that death is a separation. Here are words from the cross. Jesus suspended between heaven and earth with nails through His hands and feet. As He is hanging there, Luke records these words for us in Luke chapter 23 and verse number 42. Then He, this is a thief hanging next to Jesus on another cross... He said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. What was Jesus saying? Was he saying that you're going to get off of that cross, and you and I, in this bodily form, we're going to go together and be in paradise? Is that what he's saying? No. What he's saying is, I'm going to leave my physical body, and you're going to leave your physical body, and today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Our spirit is going to depart this flesh, and we are going on together. We're leaving that flesh behind. Well, you drop down a few more verses in that same chapter to verse number 46, and the Bible says that when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, Into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. He didn't say, Father, into your hands I give my body. Into your hands I give my flesh. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. He died. And what happened? His soul, his spirit separated from his fleshly body. That is... The Bible's picture of death. When that separation occurs, death has taken place. That's a very simple way of putting it. And the Bible uses that illustration again and again. But that is a, that's something we need to understand. Well, let me give you one more. First Corinthians chapter 15. Another time that we find this picture given that we can understand just something simple for us to begin with this morning that we need to lay a bit of foundation in, and get this picture in our minds. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42 says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. It's sown and raised. It is sown and raised. It is sown and raised. It is is sown and raised. Four times that expression is used by Paul for us to get the picture. You have a body that you're going to inhabit while you are here. And there is coming a day when that body will have fulfilled its use and you will have a new body, a different body, when your soul separates from your flesh. Okay. Thank you for that picture. God, thank you for helping me understand that this is not my eternal body. That I'm not going to be housed in this forever. But you see, I I need to know that picture, although I understand, well, we've been around death. We understand it. A few weeks ago, our family traveled back to Missouri for a funeral. In fact, while we were there, we were there a total of of three days, three full days, and uh, attended two funerals in, in those three days. The first funeral that I attended, I just happened to be in town and thought it would be nice to go uh, for a man, a brother in Christ, who was very supportive of me as a young preacher. He wasn't a part of the congregation where Julie and I and the, the boys were working, but, uh, but he was from a congregation down the road, and he was 95 years old, and he was faithful to God, and it was, it was a celebration, and it was sad for his family, and it was sad for those who were there, but, but he lived a good life, we would say, 95 years old. The second funeral, the one that we made the trip for, really, was, uh, well, she was just one of the sweetest young ladies we ever knew. She was four or five years old when Julie and I started working there in Fortland, and uh, she was killed in a car accident at 21. She'd been married for nine months. Her young husband, 20 years old, is a widower. That's a sad, that was a sad one. I've told you, I, I ugly cried multiple times in that trip. That's a sad thing. What happens? What happens on that occasion? What happens when death occurs? What happens is, we've been around this, we understand this, that there's a separation that occurs between a soul that is placed within us and the physical body. And what I want you to know is that this physical body was never intended, is not intended for us to have forever. The Bible paints a clear picture that there is coming a separation when the dust is going to return to the ground and the Spirit is going to go to God who gave it. You have a soul within you that's going to live forever. And one day, it's going to come out of this body. I'm just reminding you of what you know. I'm telling you that that's the picture that God gives us and this is going to happen to all of us. Even if Jesus comes before we die, we're all going to experience death. We're all going to have this separation occur. That's what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here's your second picture. Sleep. Death is sleep. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul gives us this clear picture. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul is writing to Christians, and before concluding the letter, he has these encouraging words for them. In 1 Thessalonians 4, in verse 13, he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So comfort, he says, one another with these words. Sleep. You see, the separation is going to occur for everyone. For everyone. For the child up through the aged one. For everyone who has ever lived, separation one day is going to occur. This is what I want you to think about. This description of death, sleep, is a a word used in the New Testament only for those who are faithful to God. To faithful Christians, death is pictured as sleep. Now sleep... (laughs) I love sleep. I didn't ever appreciate sleep enough when I was growing up as a young person. But I have reached a point in my life where I really enjoy sleep. I look forward to sleep. I remember as a kid, my dad worked in a jewelry store. And that jewelry store between Thanksgiving and Christmas was open every single day. They were open seven days a week. And so even on Sundays, my dad would get up and we would go to worship and, uh, and then lots of times we drove separate vehicles and he would go and open the store and he would work all Sunday afternoon and he would meet us back for worship that evening. But all afternoon even he was working. And so Thanksgiving was his last day off before Christmas. And he could get to be somewhat of a bear. I, it, it just didn't take much to, to set him off at times. My dad is a very easygoing Uh, very calm person, very funny and good personality. But when you are sleep deprived, your body doesn't appreciate it, does it? And so I used to laugh at him when he would come home and he would sit in his recliner and he would just immediately go to sleep. I used to laugh at him and say, how in the world is it possible that someone could just sit down and immediately fall asleep? Until my boy started laughing at me when I did it. You can do that, can't you? You can do that. When you're worn out enough, you can just sit down, close your eyes. The other day, Julie was talking to me, I think, and and I just all of a sudden wasn't responding. It just happens, doesn't it? I love sleep. I loved it. I love sleep. You know those days when your children have pushed every button, every button that you might have, and and you've just thought about, uh, well, you've had thoughts go through your mind of, well, you know, what am I going to do with this child? And and they've just driven you to your very last edge that day, and and then you walk into their bedroom, and you see them sleeping, and you're really glad that you were able to control yourself that day, and that they're still alive. And you watch them sleep, and and you see the peace of sleep. The peace of sleep. I think in a, in a young child, you get a better picture than anywhere else of the peace of sleep. And they're just resting, and they're just sleeping, and it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. I'm telling you, that that's the picture that the Bible paints for the faithful Christian in death, is sleep. The Bible says in Revelation 14 and verse 13, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. And their works do follow them. It's rest. It's sleep. It's that It's that beautiful picture of having gone through this life and having all of the temptations, all the trials, all the struggles, all the pain that you've gone through in your life. Now you're able to be with God and it is rest. It is sleep. It is the picture that we're given there. It is now. I don't have the struggles. I don't have the worries. I don't have the the evil surrounding me. I can be in the presence of God, and I can praise and rejoice and be with Him. Sleep. I will say this. That's not the picture given until we die. Alright? Some stop and they want to rest before death. We're to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. We are to be faithful until death to receive the crown of life. Revelation 2 and verse 10. So don't stop before you get there. We're to be abounding in His work. But the Bible tells us that death is a picture of sleep. Number three. Turn over to Second Timothy, just a couple of pages over Maybe from where you were in First Thessalonians, look at Second Timothy chapter four, and you might have thought we'd get to this passage, and here we are. The third picture that we find here is a voyage. Death is a voyage," the Bible tells us. In Second Timothy chapter four and verse six, Paul says, "For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand." That's the word I want us to consider, the time of my departure. But he goes on to say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, and finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Paul says, I know what's waiting for me. I have been faithful to the Lord. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. I know that the crown of life is waiting for me crown of righteousness. But he says, first, I have to depart. The time of my departure is at hand. I say that that is the picture of a voyage because this is a nautical term. It's a nautical term. It's a nautical term describing the process of loosening the ropes from the pier or the dock, of loosening the ropes and setting out to sail. That's the picture that Paul was painting for us here. And that's exactly what death is. It's loosening the ropes and, and going. It's a voyage. Well, maybe you haven't done much sailing lately, but have you been to the airport? Well, maybe you haven't done that either lately. But you know when you go to the airport, you look at the monitor and you see if everything's on time and hopefully things haven't been canceled or, or delayed. But, but there are two columns when you look at that screen. You have the arrival time and you have the departure time, and that's what I want you to think about as death. What it is, it's it's that departure column. Paul says, "I'm getting ready to depart." And that departure. Well, it's it's a one way deal. It's a one way. You're not going to come back, and that's why David understood in Second Samuel chapter twelve and verse twenty three. When that young boy died, his child died, he said, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. That's what it is. It's a one-way. It's a departure. It's, it's a voyage. And that's what we need to understand. So what is death? Well, it's a separation. Death is a sleep. Death is a voyage. I like this next one. How about this? I think you can get this picture. None of these are complicated, as you can see, but how about this one? How about turning in your Bibles just a few more pages over to the right and going to 2 Peter chapter 1. There are two pictures that we get from this one passage, but let's look at the first one first. In 2 Peter chapter 1, what is death? Death is taking down the tent. Death is taking down the tent. Notice the tent, as Peter gives us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 12. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that surely I must put off my tent to stir you up by reminding you. I'm sorry, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. I'm going to put off my tent. I'm going to remind you of specific things, of certain things, Peter says, because I know that one day I'm going to put off my tent. I'm going to take it down. Well, what did the tent maker have to say about the tent? Well, keep your finger there, perhaps. We'll be back. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and notice what Paul had to say about the tent In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 1, Paul says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. And now He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. For we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Paul says there's coming a day, verse number 1, when this tent... ...is going to be destroyed. Literally, it's a tabernacle. This dwelling place. I know that there's coming a day... ...when this is going to be destroyed. It's going to be put off. I remember as a young person... ...really enjoying... ...sleeping in a tent. I remember wanting my father to put up a tent... ...and my brother and I, we'd sleep in tents. Alan and Evan uh, really enjoy... ...pitching a tent and just sleeping in the backyard... And they do fun things like running an extension cord out there and putting on a movie and watching it, you know, and really roughing it out there in the backyard in their tent. But it is an enjoyable thing to do. A few weeks ago, uh, months ago now, I guess, but we went on a guy's camping trip, and I really enjoy those. I really enjoy the time with the boys. I really enjoy the fellowship with the other guys who are there. I don't mind pitching that tent. <laughs> Honestly. I don't mind sleeping in the tent. The first night usually is pretty nice. But I can tell you that after a couple of days of it, I'm ready to pack up that tent and get back to my bed. I am ready to put that tent away and go home. I am ready for that. Tents are intended to be simple and temporary. They're not intended to be permanent. They're simple. And they're temporary. And that's all this body is. It's complex in the way that it's designed. But it's temporary. It's it's not intended to be a long-term dwelling place. There's coming a time. And the Bible, it, it just says it very plainly, doesn't it? But there's coming a time when this tent is going to be destroyed. There's coming a time when this tent is going to be taken down. There's coming a time when as faithful Christians, we can put off the tent and we can go home. What a picture. Paul says, this is God's work. This is what God does for us. And this is possible because Jesus came and he died for us. And in that context of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, just previous to that, Paul has made it clear where our focus needs to be. That we don't need to get so caught up in the things of this life. We don't need to get comfortable in what is temporary. We need to be focused on the eternal. This tent is coming down. I'm going to put it off. That day is coming. We are living for the day when we get to take down the tent. I told you, Second Peter chapter 1, there were two. In verse number 15, here's picture number 5. Moreover, Peter says, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Other translations there have the word departure. The picture I want you to write down to think about is Exodus. It's exodus. What is death? It's an exodus. That word translated decease or departure is literally a way out. That door right there, that door right there, these doors around, there are ways out of this room. Death is the exit. It's an exodus. Now, when you think of Exodus, what do you think? Well, I think about the second book of the Old Testament, don't you? I think about the book of Exodus. And what is the book of Exodus really about? The book of Exodus is God's deliverance. The book of Exodus is about seeing His people enslaved and delivering them, of providing an exit. And without a a weapon used without blood shed in in war god's people exited he led them out i would remind you that that's well, that's what he's going to do for us he's he's given us the exit <coughs> where did god's people go where were they headed they were headed to the promised land they left bondage and god was leading them ultimately to the promised land. And what is death? What is death for the faithful? Death is an exit from bondage, from the constraints of this life. What is death? It's an exit from the constraints of time to the promised land. It is an exit from, from this side where we are bound by time to the land where time doesn't exist. It's an exit. It's an exodus. I need to be reminded of that. And maybe you do too. I need to be reminded when I let the cares of this world really try to drag me down. I need to be reminded of that when I allow things of this life to take take place perhaps of God and putting Him where He needs to be on the throne of my life. I need to be reminded of that when I am tempted to put things in this life first and ahead of Him. When I allow myself to get attached to the things of this life, I need to understand that I'm going to exit this life. Where am I going? God says, I want to lead you home. I want you to be with me. I've done everything I can do. I've even given you my son so that you can go to the promised land and you can be with me. What is death? It's an exodus. What is death? It's separation. What is death? It's sleep. What is death? It's a voyage. What is death? It's taking down the tent. What is death? It's an exodus. What is death? For the child of God, it is precious. Precious. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 116 and verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I mentioned my dad. I want you to get the impression ever that my mother isn't a wonderful, wonderful person. I love my mother. She, she's helped me more than I can ever even know. To be whatever I am today. My dad worked in the jewelry store, and he worked around precious stones. Precious stones. You, you don't take a a rock, you know, pick up in your driveway and mount it into a ring and wear it on your finger. Generally, do you? There's not much value in that rock in your driveway or in your flower bed. You just don't do things with that. You don't mount it and put it on a chain and wear it around your neck, generally. You don't put it in a mounting and wear it in your ears, that gravel or rock from your flower bed or driveway. There's just not much precious about that. You take precious stones, and you do those things with them. Precious. Something of great value. Something glorious. Well, I conclude this morning with this thought in Revelation chapter 21. For the faithful, why is death so precious? Well, the Bible says this in Revelation 21 and verse number 1. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself will be with them, and God will be their, and He will be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And He said to me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. And He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This passage is all about God. It's all about what he's done to prepare a place for us. It's precious. Death is precious. This is this is where I want you to be. This is what I've done to prepare for you. And when this life is over and you can escape all of these things that don't exist in this place I've prepared for you. I've done absolutely everything I can do, God would say, for death to be precious for you. I've done everything I can do for that to be a precious thing. When you breathe your last, when your soul is separated from your body, I've done everything I can do for you to be with me. Death is something that we're familiar with. I'm not told you anything you don't know. You've looked in caskets. You've attended funerals. You've walked by bodies that no longer had their life. You've been hurt. You've cried. You know what sorrow feels like. You've been touched by it. I'm just reminding us this morning that that one day it's going to touch us all. It's going to touch us all. Not one of us here this morning is going to escape it. And so before you do have that separation, well, you need to die. I mean, before your soul exits your body, you of accountable age need to be willing to die. In Romans chapter 6, Paul describes it. He says it in very plain language so that we can all understand. It's not God's fault if we don't obey what He says. He's made it so we can understand. And here is the picture, the death that we need to be willing to have before ultimately dying. Paul is writing to Christians. And this is what he says. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, listen to me, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. We need to be willing to die before we die. Have you died? Have you put off that body of sin? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you done what God commands you to do in order to be saved? Sleep is rest only for the faithful. We're all going to take that voyage, but we're going to end up in one of two places. Why not this morning make sure that you go on to be with God. We're all going to exit one way or the other. We're all going to exit. But why not exit and go with be with God in the promised land? Why not make sure that your death is precious? Do you believe this morning that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you willing to make that confession, to repent of sin in your, in your life, And to be immersed in the waters of baptism, as Paul tells us here, it is there that we come into the likeness of the death of Christ. It is there that we contact the precious blood that was shed for us. It is there that our sins are forgiven. It is there that we then rise up to walk in newness of life. Will you become a child of God today? Will you become a Christian The Lord's invitation is extended to you and we would beg you to come. But I would also hasten to say this in verse 11, same chapter, likewise you also, he's speaking to Christians, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. As a faithful Christian, or as a Christian today, are you faithful? As a Christian today, are you letting sin reign in your mortal body? Do you need to repent this morning of something amiss in your life? I've come to encourage us this morning by talking about death. It's a precious thing for those who die right in the Lord. Are you right with the Lord today? If the answer is no, I have good news for you. The Lord's invitation is extended and He says, Please, come to me. I want to make you right. I want you to go to heaven. I want you to be with me forever. Are you ready? If you're not, then please respond this morning by coming to the front while together we stand in sync.